back to MedLit Review. I'm Deepa, and today we're going to be looking at a paper that's related to the research that I'm currently working on. So the paper we'll be looking at is titled, Leptin Expression Affects Metabolic Rate in Zebrafish Embryos. Hey, it's Brian, and I'm going to be reading the abstract so that we can frame what we're going to be talking about in this podcast. So the abstract reads, we used antisense morpholino oligonucleotide technology to knock down leptin A gene expression in developing zebrafish embryos and measured its effects on metabolic rate and cardiovascular function. Using two indicators of metabolic rate, oxygen consumption was significantly lower in leptin morphins early in development, while acid production was significantly lower in morphins later in development. Oxygen utilization rate in less than 48 hours post-fertilization embryos and acid production in 72 hours post-fertilization embryos could be rescued to that of wild-type embryos by recombinant leptin co-injected with antisense morpholino. Leptin is established to influence metabolic rate in mammals, and these data suggest leptin signaling also influences metabolic rate in fishes. So Deepa, it seems like that abstract was pretty pretty intense. So why was all of this research relevant? Like why why are you guys doing this? So I guess we need to start with the foundation of what is leptin. So leptin is a hormone that is associated primarily with the inhibition or reduction of appetite. And so oftentimes the deficiency of leptin is linked with the causing of obesity. No, oh, okay. That seems pretty pretty relevant, I would say, especially with the rise in obesity and especially America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So also it mentioned zebrafish in the title and also in the abstract a few times. So what is a zebrafish? Is it just like a little zebra floating around? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So a zebrafish is a type of fish. And so it's indicated in the paper, but leptin can be expressed across um, a variety of species, and so zebrafish are one of them. And while their expression of leptin is slightly different because they have leptin A and leptin B, so they have two versions of the leptin, um, they still serve as an adequate model to observe the effects of different experimental manipulations on the hormone. Okay, so this is meant to be eventually translational to humans, right? Hopefully, yes. Yeah, that'd be good because... It's not really relevant to study fish, right? So hopefully it's translational, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, it also talked about an antisense morpholino oligonucleotide. <laughs> what the heck is that? <laughs> so essentially, th- that was definitely something that tripped me up to when I was reading the paper for the first time. So um, essentially, it's a synthesized molecule that binds to RNA. So the goal of this is to stop transcription of a certain gene in the code of an organism. Okay. So the idea is that it blocks the RNA of leptin, right? And then there's no more leptin. And so you can see what's going to happen without leptin in the zebrafish's body, right? Right, right. Okay, cool. So then it also uh, talked about in the introduction portion of the paper about rescued samples. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, what, what is a rescue? So a rescue is essentially a sample where the leptin was knocked out, but then it was rescued, which means it was given a supply of leptin again. Oh, okay. So that was that co-injected part of the um, abstract. Okay. Okay. I got it. And so my last quick question about like the intro of all this is why why did they use embryos? It talked about that in the Mm -hmm. abstract. It's in the title and everything. Why embryos and not like full grown fish? Yeah, so I don't think they made it explicitly clear in the paper, but I feel like 
there are multiple hypotheses that we can we can run with for why they chose embryos. So one potential reason is just age matching of the samples because they had to compare a knockout sample with a control sample. Yeah. So embryos might have been the ideal age for that. Do you have any alternative hypotheses? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it makes sense that injecting a full adult would maybe, it wouldn't disperse the oligonucleotide or the leptin, actually, because that's mm -hmm. what they're injecting, mm -hmm. leptin. It wouldn't disperse throughout the fish all the way. It seems like with an embryo, you'd have a little bit more of a unified global effect. Do you mm -hmm. think that sounds right? Yeah, and I mean, and honestly, if you're trying to create, if you're trying to generate a knockout of a gene, then ideally you start with the lower, a smaller age so that you can inject it at that point. And it also has to do with the survival rate of the fishes as well, I assume. Awesome. Yeah, sounds good. So now to get in a little bit about how they tested their hypothesis that leptin is going to be having influences on the metabolic rate of these fishes. So uh, just to kind of solidify everything, the groups that they used were wild-type fish, knockdown fish, where they knocked out the leptin production with the oligonucleotides, and the rescue fish. Mm -hmm. um, so their first method that they did to measure how their metabolic rate was being influenced was the rate of oxygen consumption by the fish. Mm -hmm. So how, do, how does that work? How do you measure how much, I guess it's how much the fish is breathing, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. how much they're breathing in and then uh, using. Mm -hmm. So essentially, an oxygen microelectrode was used to measure the amount of oxygen present in a particular vessel, and then after the recording was taken, it got sealed off, and then another recording was taken an hour later. So they used that to... Um, compare the levels of oxygen, they use that as a means to measure how much oxygen had actually been consumed. Gotcha. Okay. And so what were the results of that? What did they find from that? So they found that oxygen consumption for uh, the leptin morphins was significantly decreased compared to the control and the rescue embryos. Oh, okay, so that makes sense. That's actually um, supporting their hypothesis, if, as long as oxygen consumption is a valid measure of um, metabolism, right? Right, right. So the leptin, the fish without any leptin, that are with a significantly reduced leptin from the knockdown, uh, they had a lot less oxygen consumption. Mm -hmm. So they're using less oxygen, which means that they're doing less metabolism mm -hmm. based on what uh, the paper is trying to say. Yeah, so they actually have a really nice um, figure, figure 1A of the paper, where they kind of put this in a graph format so it's easier to visualize the differences in oxygen consumption between the different groups. Awesome. So Deepa, the next method that they had in the paper was the colorimetric whole animal assay acid production assay. Oh, that's a mouthful. <laughs> so what did they use that for and why does uh, an acid production assay show what's happening in this uh, hypothesis that they're trying to test? All right. So um, essentially what they did in this assay was they used a machine called a spectrophotometer, and they set it at 570 nanometers. That's the wavelength. And they just shot this light and threw a sample, and then they used that to collect an absorbance value. And these absorbance values were used to get relative... Um, 
the relative like concentrations of um, CO2 in the sample because as you know um, during respiration CO2 is released and so that um, when hydrated produces carbonic acid so as a result um, you will notice pH changes and you'll also see an increase in acid production so this acid production assay is a suitable way of um, measuring metabolism similar to how we've seen in other methods. Okay, so, so basically, if I'm, I'm trying to uh, understand this a bit more, I guess. So they're shooting this light through the liquid that they collect from the fish, right? The and, sample, yeah. Yeah, and then the amount of light that gets through changes based on how much um, like acid is accumulating in correct, it? Correct. Okay, cool. And what were the results on that? What did they find in the paper? So essentially, they saw that there was a significant increase in the rate of acid production between the 24 hours post-fertilization and the 72 hours post-fertilization. However, at the 48 hours, there was not presence of any clear trend there. Um, so that's probably something that they might talk about later on in the discussion. Mm -hmm. All right, so our last method that they include in the paper is the heart rate, stroke volume, and cardiac output for all of the fish. So I was wondering, how do they, how do they get that in the fish, and what is that telling us? Um, so essentially what they did was they used a high-speed digital camera, and um, they captured the heartbeat of each individual embryo using it. And um, regarding the stroke volume, they were doing an estimation from end systole and diastole area recorded in one single frame for each cardiac cycle. Wow. And so, I mean, that seems pretty impressive that they're able to get all of that information out of these really tiny organisms. Uh, what did they end up finding from all of that, um, all of that camera recordings and everything? Right, so at the 24 hours post-fertilization mark, there was a lot of variability, so they couldn't really um, they couldn't really use that data to form conclusions and compare the groups because there's a lot of variability. But looking at the 48 and 72, they found that the wild type and the rescue groups had a significantly greater um, heart rate compared to the heart rate of the morphins. And um, regarding the rescues, when the rescues were given their co-injection of leptinate, they were able to restore the heart rate back to the same as the wild type. Yeah, and just looking at the graphs that are on the paper, it's pretty impressive that they're all showing the same trend, essentially. So they're, um, it's all matching what the hypothesis had predicted. So right. that's, that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. All right, so now that we've looked at the results and the methods, we're gonna take a look at the discussion and highlight a couple of the main points and takeaways that we think um, are most significant from this section of the paper. So the first thing that they mentioned in the discussion is the first figure that goes over oxygen consumption and the rate of acid production. So in relation to the data that we got from oxygen consumption, it shows that the controls and the rescues were significantly, are using significant more oxygen than the knockouts. And so that's seen in the graph and it's pretty um, well defined especially in the earlier ones. And so as we see our age increasing, we see less and less of that divergence, and then it kind of goes into that in the 
discussion, right? Yeah, so in the discussion, they mentioned that for oxygen utilization, the effect of leptin knockdown decreases with time, whereas for acid production, the effect increases with time. And I think it's definitely something that we observe in the graph. So if you look at figure 1a, there's a greater convergence of the points later on, closer to 72 HPF, whereas for the rate of acid production, we saw that there's convergence earlier on, closer to the 24 HPF mark. So why do you think they use both of these well-known methods to measure essentially the same idea? Yeah, so basically with the oxygen consumption method, it's a really well-known one in the field based on what um, it says in the discussion. This is used a lot to measure metabolic rates and uh, different um, metrics based on that. And so they like to use that to compare with other papers and see how that's going. But as you said, it's a little bit of a higher divergence at the beginning and less of a divergence at the end, showing that the metric kind of changes over time. And unfortunately, the rate of acid production, the other method that they're using, it's a more specific method that's a little bit newer in the field of uh, metabolic studies, but it's more specific. And they say in the paper that it's a little bit more accurate. However, its rate of error kind of increases in an opposite direction, where they see a higher convergence at the beginning and a larger divergence um, later in the time points. So basically, by using both of them, they're kind of showing the same trend, but negating both of the errors and proving or supporting their hypothesis as a result. So Deepa, after going through this whole paper, what do you think about the hypothesis? Do you think that the evidence is accepting it or rejecting it, supporting it, refuting it? Um, I think looking at the evidence from the oxygen consumption, the rate of acid production, and the cardiac output test they did, they have provided us with enough evidence that supports the hypothesis mm -hmm. that leptin expression affects metabolic rate in zebrafish embryos. Yeah. Um, so what do you think are the implications of this research? Um, I would say that it's very um, indicative of where the research is going towards obesity. Um, specifically looking at metabolic um, activity, we usually center on that. Uh, there's also metabolic diseases that this could influence and could have a pretty dramatic influence on. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So based on this research, they obviously want to do more, especially since they um, accepted their hypothesis that they're um, seeing these differences in metabolism, which has value. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you think the future directions of this work could go? Well, I guess at the end of the day, the end goal is to tie everything back to humans. Mm -hmm. So I guess further down the line, we hope to develop as good of an understanding of leptin in humans. Mm -hmm. And hopefully this is taking us on the right pathway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also think that, like, kind of relating to their research, how they could, I don't know, get the, get to that direction, you know, bridging that gap, they could probably start doing a little bit more of um, maybe some gender-based studies on these, um, these specific fish would actually work. So in the paper, it discussed that they used 10 um, organisms throughout the trial, but they never talked mm -hmm. about the genders of them. And I know that, especially in my lab, we talk about a pretty big emphasis now on using different genders to identify differences between them. And it's pretty relevant because they've gone back to a lot of famous studies and identified errors where they didn't uh, separate out males versus females, and there definitely, were definitely. Uh, different results based on that. Yeah, so I mean, this paper is from 2013, but I think moving forward, 
um, that's definitely something to look out for too. Mm -hmm. um, looking at future papers about whether that is a factor that people, experimenters, are taking into account. Right, yeah. And then I think obviously moving towards um, maybe longer lifespans, not just uh, 72 hours afterwards, definitely, looking definitely. at adult organisms as well. Mm -hmm. So all those different directions are things that could have been addressed and can definitely be uh, research in the future. Definitely. All right, well, this just about wraps up our MedLit review for this week. If you want to continue the discussion, please feel free to check out our socials. You can follow us on Instagram at MedLitReview or send us an email uh, at to MedLitReview, that's T-O, MedLitReview at gmail.com. And make sure to tune in ne next week where we'll be talking about a neuroscience paper related to my research. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya!